And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. One thing that can help your business grow is fundraising and capital. And it's probably one of the most popular topics that comes up either on Startup Hustle or when I'm not on Startup Hustle. It seems to be what everyone wants to talk about. And there seems to be this versus battle between the coasts and everywhere else. So today we're going to have a fundraising battle and we're going to talk about the coast versus Midwest. Now, before I introduce today's guest, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult and Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Go to Fullscale.io to learn more. That's my business. If you didn't already know that, and we love talking to Startup Hustle listeners. So reach out. Once again, link in the show notes. With me today, I've got Nicole Montoya and she is the co-founder and CEO of Chatter Up. You can go to chatterup.com. There's a link for that in the show notes as well. Straight out of one of my favorite cities in the United States, Denver, Colorado. Nicole, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, let's start our conversation today with a little bit about your backstory, and then we'll get into this, uh, this heavyweight showdown of coast versus Midwest. Yeah, that sounds good. That's a perfect, a great topic. Um, so my background, uh, prior to starting Cheddar Up, I was in management consulting, kind of, kind of a snooze fest, honestly. Um, worked for Accenture and KPMG, um, learned a lot there. And it wasn't, it was right around when I had two young daughters entering elementary school while also kind of working for a fintech company or consulting with a fintech company. So I had fintech kind of on my brain. Um, and this was years ago. This was like 2012. And I just found myself writing a lot of checks and filling out a lot of forms. Um, oftentimes it was related to things um, that, that dealt with my kids, but I thought it was just sort of uncanny and I didn't, I just, it was slowing me down as a working parent. And I thought, gosh, there has to be a better way. I really felt like the world needed sort of an evite like organizational tool that was really payment forward. And so I was perhaps naive enough to just decide to go build it. And, um, and that's what I did. So that was sort of like, you know, the aha moment, actually, I didn't explain the aha moment. The aha moment was when I was um, taking money from my daughter's piggy bank um, for pajama day because I didn't have four dollars in cash. So I was sort of sort of one of the aha moments um, when I was just like, gosh, I would never raise my hand to collect money from a group, and this is silly that I'm still filling out paper forms. Um, but yeah, does that does that resonate? Yeah, with raising you? money four dollars at a time. 
Well, yeah. And just the chaos of it, right? Like, I mean, it's one thing to have to go scrounge for the four bucks as a parent or as the person paying. It's another to be the person on the other end who who needs to interpret that, track that, create a spreadsheet, go to the bank, all the things. Um, Just a sort of a just, you know, comedy of errors as it relates to efficiency. Yeah, I've been through that within my own household, watching my wife and kids sell Girl Scout cookies, amongst other things that uh, a myriad of $4, $8, and uh, a lot of people yelling out Venmo stuff. And yeah. I'm just like, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, totally. well, congratulations. I like anything that involves cheddar. It's uh, <laughs> so many, so many, uh, so many cheddar analogies. Now, according to the, we talk about fundraising and and the difficulties and perils of that. Now we do that as startup founders a little more than $4 at a time. I think that's probably fair to say, or if you are out there raising capital $4 at a time, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or you got a long, <laughs> long road to get to wherever you need to go. It's according to Crunchbase, you've raised $2.2 million and um, you've been, been down that road now, you know, as we get into, you know, being in Denver now for, in all fairness to the coasts, they are not adequately represented on today's show because mm-hmm. I'm in Kansas city. I okay. still consider Denver to be part of the Midwest. I would say mm-hmm. it's in that, yeah. uh, it's in that flyover country, uh, that many people talk about where when you go from the left to the right or the right to the left, you fly over a whole bunch of the United States. Now, for those of you listening, for for founders that are in the Midwest, uh, I've been doing this a long time, and there's uh, there's a lot of I think animosity was the first word that came to mind because it's a lot more it feels a lot more difficult to raise capital as a startup founder in the Midwest than it might be on the coast. So I think some of that is just a density and population issue. Interesting. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, there's also just, there's just so many fewer sources of funding in the Midwest. I mean, maybe that's what you're saying. I mean, I think that's back to the density thing. If you look at, you know, obviously anytime we're going to talk about startups, people are going to point at San Francisco and the Bay area and, you know, that's density. And when I talk to founders that are out there and about the ease of raising capital, a lot of that is the, the density, the meaning like there's so much stuff packed into such a small area. It makes it easy for collisions to occur. Meaning like you run in, you get, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I remember being at uh, TechCrunch in 2019 and we stopped and visited some of the, the founders that had been on this show. And I was talking to one of them about, raising capital and, and was it easier out there? And he said, well, yeah, cause, uh, I can be at a coffee shop and run into a venture capitalist, uh, standing in line. So, and then also the, this ease of use, meaning like, Hey, I'm raising, okay, cool. Meet me at the coffee shop. And they're both, you know, half a mile away, mm-hmm. short Uber, mm-hmm. as opposed to like Denver, or Kansas city, where the funding options are a lot more limited. It's not as you know, the, the a collision at the, at the, when I say a collision, I don't mean literally bodies running into each other, but <laughs> you'll hear this term a lot. Like the co-working community likes to refer to collisions because you don't know who you're going to run into at the office that day and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's part of it. And then obviously there's a lot more money flowing into those areas because there's a lot more stuff going on. Yeah, no, I mean, 
when you refer to density in that regard, it's just so true. You, you talk to a lot of founders who have been kind of beaten up, so to speak, 100 plus rejections, which is real. That happens. But it's hard to get 100 re rejections in the Midwest when you're talking to funds. There just aren't that many funds. Um, and you can, for better or worse, not that anyone wants to be fundraising and get lots and lots of rejections, but you just have such a larger pool when you're on the coast. And in New York, just the same. You know, they've got massive funds over there. They're not quite as well known as as Silicon Valley, but um, I don't know. And I have, I, I, I kind of come at it from a different perspective because it's been a while since I've raised funds. Um, we're pretty capital efficient now. I raised that 2.2 kind of over a couple small rounds and I was so happy to, to be done with it. Um, it was, it wasn't the, the, you know, the most glorious journey, I guess. Um, and so I haven't done it for a while. And I, I, I think anybody who's done it, I don't know, you either fall into a couple of camps, either you love it. Um, and it's your jam and you can't wait to go do another round or, or you're like, is anyone really in that camp though? Cause I, I don't think I've met, I mean, I really don't think I've met anyone yet. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt, but no, I mean, no, it's no, true. It's I don't think legitimate. I've met anyone. It's, legitimate. it's like, Oh man, I can't wait to get back out there and raise capital. I mean, it's a huge, I mean, yeah, I guess if someone's saying that it could be problematic cause it's a huge distraction if you're trying to run a company. I mean, true. I guess, I guess I do know. I just know some some founders who are really good at it and, and they don't, it's just like, oh, here we go, let's go do this. And they do kind of find it fun. I do know some founders who think it's kind of fun. It's like a game to them. Whereas it's it's literally like, you know, giving blood for me, it's, it's awful. Um, anyway, so I have a lot of points of view as, as it relates to kind of pros and cons related to Coast and, and Midwest. I ultimately raised most of my money from what you would call the Midwest. You called Utah the, the Midwest, right? Yeah, sure. Right. Ish. Yeah. I think if it's not touching the ocean or in near proximity of the Pacific or Atlantic or yeah. maybe the Gulf coast down in Florida, I guess that's still the Atlantic. I mean, so I, I have a couple stats here that now obviously this data is always going to be in a trailing kind of way. So this is from 2021, which was a pretty hot year for VC investment, but I have total number of seed stage deal count uh, investments. And uh, this is from PitchBook. And so this is uh, this is categorized into Midwest, South, Northeast, and West. So West wins. We know that. Mm -hmm. What do you think comes next? Okay, say it one more time. Mid You've got the Midwest. You right. have the South. You have the Northeast, and you have the West. Knowing that the, that oh. the West Coast wins. Yeah. Well, I would I would say Northeast. Yes, correct. So you got fifteen hundred and twenty-five seed stage deals in twenty twenty-one that were recorded. There's probably more than that. Uh, this is what PitchBook managed to to keep up with. You got eight hundred and seventy-four in the Northeast. So you look at the West Coast as doubling New York and Boston, wow, Philadelphia. Those are three huge cities right there. Uh, next is the South. Now I don't know what they categorize the South as I'm assuming it's just the Southern States, 630. And then the Midwest, 281. Wow. That actually surprises me. I guess maybe that's Austin that's bumping up the South. Like maybe, maybe I, well, I think you, it depends. They, it, it, I don't know. I think when you get out of the Northeast, I think you're going to have Miami and Atlanta 
yeah. in there, which are two, yeah. which are two big ones. Like Miami and Atlanta do pretty well when it comes to this stuff. So you get all, probably all of Florida, Atlanta, who knows a collaboration yeah. of, and you know, the, the interesting thing is the South has some, has some little hidden jewels. Like people don't think about places like Huntsville, Alabama. Do you know what's in Huntsville, Alabama? NASA. Right. So like you get these little, like, yeah, I know. It's like, you wouldn't think, you don't think about like Huntsville, Alabama as being a hotbed of innovation and it, it kind of is. So right. there's a lot of little hidden stuff in there. And then you have like my hometown, which, you know, Kansas city, which is a lot smaller than a lot of markets and actually punches above its weight. Um, so, you know, I have that conversation, you kind of have tier one, tier two and tier three and Kansas city should be in that tier three, tier four is kind of like the, that's pretty rural at, that, at this point, but yeah. So, you know, so, but what the difficulty is, is, and I've got a couple opinions on this from the Midwest point of view. Um, I think that when it comes to people investing, so you talk about, the, the sophisticated state of mind. And I'm not trying to pick on Midwest investors, but they're a lot more conservative. Um, I, you know, I know a lot of them. I know a lot of people that run funds and do a lot of different stuff around here. And um, they're going to be a little more in the trailing vapors of a lot of stuff that happens. Yeah. They, get, they become a little more reaction. Oh, the people are, there's drawing a lot of attention in New York and, in Miami and the Bay Area on this stuff, maybe we should get behind it. On the flip side of that, there's a ton of people on the coast that have really started to search. If you think about think about the United States map and mm -hmm. think about how much land mass Boston, New York, and the Bay Area take up, it's not much. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like probably a fraction of a percentage of the of the entire United States. So there's a ton of stuff going out the, out there. The pricing of running a business on the West Coast or the Northeast is remarkably more expensive. And that's led over the last couple of years, I've, I've noticed a lot of funds are either changing their charter or they're putting a big emphasis on making sure that not all of their investment is in one city or area. So this is beginning to change. But you know, the real question is, like you said, that access to capital, how do you get a hold of these people? There's yeah. a uh, uh, approximately there's between 5,000 and 6,000 funds and entities currently, uh, which 25 years ago, that was a three digit number. So there's definitely money out there. The real question is how do you get to it? When you raised capital, how did you go about it? Was it from investors that were regional or were they all over? Oh, uh, you know, when I first started doing it, obviously tap my network, um, we were part of 500 startups. So I did spend a lot of time in San Francisco, um, talked to so many funds. Um, we were raising money in 2018, well, 15 and then 18, uh, or no, 15 and 17. Um, and one of our big, biggest issues with raising capital on the coast was those investors were just so consumed with Venmo and they had a really hard time understanding how we were different, which at that time, honestly, we were building features and, and, and really working to differentiate ourselves. Um, I mean, we're, we're very different. We're a lot of software. We're focused on groups. Um, pay, we're, we're focused on collecting payments plus information. Um, and, and we've very clearly delineated that now, but back then they were just like, you know, Venmo was hot and they were like, I don't understand. Um, and so anyway, long story short, we did raise capital. We, we, you know, we raised some money from 500 startups. We never took meaningful, meaningful money from any other coastal, coastal fund. 
I mean, again, I was, you know, trips to New York, all the things, talked to them all, um, just never, never sealed the deal. So we ended up taking money from a couple different funds in Utah, um, founder group, angels, and then angels. So yeah, we pieced it together, but like kickstart, kickstart seed fund or kickstart fund out of Utah was a, a bigger investor of ours as was Royal street, which actually has a presence in Kansas city too. Um, and stout street out of Denver. So yeah, they ended up being local, which it was, turns out was more my jam. Um, they just really understood the problem. Part of our problem too, in all honesty, was back then and still today, the demographic that we serve does tend to skew female. And the problem that I was describing at least a few years ago was something that, you know, really resonated a bit more with females. So I was talking to a lot of men and they just didn't really get it. Um, more so on the coast than in the Midwest for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, as a result, I'm, you know, I've, I've got this Utah holds a special place for me. I think those folks are, are really great. And yeah, so I don't know, but, but again, I mean, it, it was a beat down, like fundraising was a beat down. So I'm real emotional about it. Like, I'm not going to start crying. <laughs> I just mean like, I, I passionate about it and I have, a, I have strong feelings about it. Um, you know, right or wrong. Well, I've got some more shocking statistics that you probably won't like because I don't like these either. Talking about <laughs> seed stage valuation discounts. Okay. The Midwest is the peg for that at 100%. Northeast is 97% of the valuation. And then the Midwest drops down to 65%, uh, meaning uh, we're, taking a, we're taking a bit of a haircut here in the Midwest. Now I can say that I'm not sure I buy too much into these stats because I mean, valuation is such a relative thing. You know, it's like, what are you really worth? I talk to people all the time that think their business is worth a hell of a lot more than it is. Um, I will tell you one thing, you don't pay your mortgage or your bills or your payroll with evaluation. So, yeah, you know. no, it's, it's subjective. I mean, it, it matters. It matters, but I would, I actually sort of agree with those numbers. I think 65% might be a little bit low, but, but I think if you're going to raise in the Midwest versus the coast, you're going to get a different valuation, like sure. period. Like, it's, well, and I, I think that, but there, and there, I think there's a defensibility to that. And I'm not trying to sound like Mr. Coast here. Cause I'm certainly not, but at the same time that it's probably 65% as much cost to run my business in Kansas city as it is in San Francisco. It might even be, it might even be less. Yeah. You know, you talk about so many, it's the cost of, of doing business in the West and the Northeast is going to be a lot higher, but that's also what has led so many investors to seeking their out value shopping. And I, I can't blame them. I think that they're smart. You know, one thing I, I've got 325 employees at full scale and it seems like a good time to, Remind everyone that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. There's a link for that in the show notes. But you know, one thing we've learned is our employees are are all over, largely in the Philippines, and there are smart people everywhere doing innovative stuff. You just got to know how to find them. Now, back to that original like thesis statement I made that some of this could come down to valuation or excuse me, population and density. That's the problem is once you get outside of that density area, you're like, okay, where do I look? And just imagine a venture capitalist that has awkwardly put on a cowboy hat 
and is now looking out into the horizon and sees no tall buildings, no coffee shops, nothing like that. And, and that's, I mean, where do you find them? And I think that, that I wonder if this is more of a regional issue or if it's more of a, an awareness issue, meaning it's hard to get on the radar anywhere. Like whether you're a fund in Kansas City and you're trying to fund someone in New York, how does how do you get on that radar? I mentioned between five thousand and six thousand, mm-hmm. right in the middle of that. Last time I checked, it was like fifty five hundred different funds. Where so do now, you start? Yeah, you're just referencing deal flow, right? Like on the on the venture side, right? Like how do I find these amazing startups? Is that what yeah. you're referring to? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah, because I mean, there. You know, that's the thing is is not everyone that is that would accept an investment is out there beating the drum on that too. Right. So they're out there looking, and there's all these signal flares from I don't know where do you start. Well, that's true, and it actually brings up just kind of a cool thing coming from a founder myself. Um, it, it just makes, it gives the founder a little bit more power, honestly, um, because these, these funds are looking for deals too. I think it becomes really important that, um, and I, and I know, I know they're doing this because I talk to people who are in, you know, who are investors of Cheddar Up because, you know, we're, we're very friendly. They're constantly looking for deal flow and it becomes really important for different funds to work their own network, to collaborate, to stay in touch so that they can be brought in so that they can, you know, these funds in the Midwest, oftentimes, almost always, they know, they know funds on the coast. And if they see something really hot and they like, they like a fund on the coast, um, you know, they might bring them into a deal or share a great opportunity with them. I think that's more important now than ever, just for the reason that you said that stat is crazy. That's so many, that's so many funds. So if you're from the Midwest, like so many people listening probably are, you know, it's funny, you talk about population and density where we've been recording this podcast from Kansas City for almost six years to prove the population and density thing. Guess where the majority of our listeners come from every month? The, the, Bay, Ar- the Bay Area. Oh, funny. Shoot. <laughs> Followed by New York oh, and funny. then Atlanta and then our own hometown. Interesting. Because we're just outclassed population wise. You know, it's just like, I mean, if you have five times the number and the density, yeah. So, uh, and we get a lot of listeners local too. So, uh, I mean, that says a lot about what's going on and how do, you, how do you get past that? Now, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is you said, oh, I got, I had a hundred conversations and I got a hundred no's. I've been doing a very unscientific poll uh, for the last five years, and I find that about 75 is the, for people that raised, and I, and I haven't been asking this as much in the last year as I did in the prior years, but for raising capital, like how many pitches, how many vessels of outreach did you have to send in all directions? And seven, it's... So, you know, 60 to 75 seems to be the number. Now that could mean you bundle up your stuff and you send it off to a strange fund you've never heard of, or you gave a pitch or you did this or you did that. How many do you think you made before you raised any money? That's a good question. And when I said a hundred earlier, that wasn't, I wasn't referencing me. So, but it could be a hundred. Oh, that's um, very normal. Yeah, no, yeah. it's totally normal. I mean, that's why I said it. Cause I, I hear that from people, you know, friends and other founders. And by the way, sending your stuff off and getting ghosted counts as a no. Oh Lord. Um, so many, so many, I mean, it's just between emails and actual pitches. 
coffees. I mean, there's just a lot of networking to get to the email, to get to the pitch. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely like close to a hundred, like yeah. you say like 80, 90, hundred comes to mind, but I'm totally guessing, but that feels right. And my guesses are usually pretty accurate. Um, yeah, but that, but it's spread out over, you know, many months, brain damage. It's still, still, there's still <laughs> no's though. Yeah, no, I, I unfortunately, I talk to people like somewhat, somewhat regularly that they'll say, I say, well, how's everything going? They're like, oh, I, f- I have, I, I failed to raise capital. And it's, well, tell me why. They're like, man, I reached out to a bunch of people. And I'll say, well, how many is that? And they'll be like, dude, like 15. <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell them my first reaction is like, you're about 80 short, whatever right. comes up to about 100. Because yeah. I, I tell people that a lot. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. And, you know, this isn't necessarily in the, it, look, there, I'll tell you right now that, whether it's in the Midwest or on the coast, there are funds looking to put money into your business, but they don't know who you are. There's thousands and thousands and thousands. Like if you just go to LinkedIn and you were to filter out just computer software companies, and that's just one designation. And then you want to look up how many CTOs there are. There's like 35,000 or something crazy. So think of yourself as being one in that number. So how do you get, how do you get out there and how do you get the attention? And, and that, that volume of outreach is a key component to that. Now with that, if you are a service-based business and you're sending your pitch out to funds that are charter bound to only make investments in enterprise software companies, you're wasting your time. And I think that, I think that that leads to a lot of the frustration. I think a lot of people are sending out, sending up signal flares to an audience of the blind, you know, like they're just not going to see it because they can't, or they're not allowed to. And I say that as someone that owns a, a, a tech enabled services business. I mean, that's what full scale is a platform and people behind it. And we don't qualify for investment on, from some of those places I've actually had unprompted people say, I would love to invest in your business, but I can't. Because it's not their directive. It's they not have a charter purpose. that says they yeah. can't. I mean, yeah. a lot of these funds are, in fact, you know, you hear you hear some, they'll say, oh, we're industry agnostic. Sure, that's, and that's usually not a fund. That's usually like a family office or some kind of municipal type thing, you know, like they're going to give you a grant check or something like that, non-dilutive. But when it gets into actual funds and they have to put the, they have to put the, the throttle or the harness on that or the blinders on those people to keep them in line. Cause next thing you know, they end up with a portfolio. They'll end up with a, a fast food restaurant and they'll end up with a software company and they'll end up with like a service based something. And it just doesn't seem to have that direction. There's so many different ways and directions that all of this can flow. They need to keep. So, so the point is, is if that hundred number of outreach of 99 of them are to the wrong people, then yes, you should very much expect a hundred no's. Yeah. It's a lot of work. There's just no way to, there's no way to slice it. And if you're not getting pretty uncomfortable fundraising, then you're probably doing something wrong. So when when you, you mentioned uh, being part of, was it 500 startups? 
And if you're not aware of that, folks, it's a accelerator type thing. It's similar to Y Combinator. A lot of these, we did a list of of top accelerators. Oh man, it's been a while, but they were on it. That's where I got my familiarity with it. That's a West Coast organization. Am I correct? Correct. Yep. They're out of San Francisco. They've got a Mountain View in San Francisco. What did you find different about raising from them than you did from your locals or near locals? You know, you've got about a 10 minute window of attention. I find when pitching to, to VCs in the Bay area, you know, if it doesn't resonate with them, if they're not interested, if they've got a bias, it, you know, you can kind of, you can I don't know. I felt like I could feel the energy. It was this was either a yes or this was a no. And they just have a really short attention span. Um, I think they're really focused on the hottest stuff, you know, and if you don't fall into a bucket that is, you know, falls under that category, it's it's less attractive to them. Um, you know, they're also they're looking for certain types of deals. So you almost I mean, the the the, the amount that you raise and the valuations that you raise, you know, I've, They've changed a lot since when I was raising, which was a number of years ago. But if you're not raising a certain size round, um, if you're not projecting like some crazy hockey sticks, like you're just probably not a fit for them. And I think that is a difference in some of the funds in the Midwest is, yeah, they want they want a 10x, but you don't have to look, you know, one way. You, you can get there a number of different ways. Um so I think it was just, you know, the ability to fit a mold was easier with Midwest investors, like which was a wider, it was a wider mold, you know, versus on the East or the, the West Coast. It was just, you just had such a limited amount of time, not to mention being in an accelerator like 500 startups is just, it's a culture and a vibe that you either love or maybe you feel a little out of place in. Um, it's a little bit of a bro mentality. It's probably changed a lot since when I was there. Um, and it's super fast paced and fast paced is great. That's my jam, but it, it was, it was just, it was a lot and it's like drinking from a fire hose. Um, so, you know, you're learning a bunch of stuff. You're trying to grow your company at an accelerator like that. Plus you're trying to take advantage of all the opportunities that come your way as it relates to, to raising capital. So it, it can kind of be overwhelming and again, wildly distracting if you're just trying to, you know, hunker down and get stuff done for your, for your company. Um, do, do you think, do you think that being a female founder that made it more difficult for you to raise West coast money? I think um, back then it did a little bit. It yeah. might be easier today. Yeah. I think it would be yeah. way easier today. Things have changed a lot, like pretty fast. And that is amazing. Um, you know, it's not something that really distracted me or got in my way, but I do think that there's a lot of male investors on the West Coast and it's just a little bit easier for them to say yes to someone who they can resonate with a little bit more. It's just, it's sort of unconscious bias. You know, they're not intending to, but, and, and again, our our subject matter was right. We serve PTAs, Girl Scout troops you know, booster clubs. It's like a thing that they're like, oh, cool. My wife handles all that stuff. Um, so just even having them understand the problem was just a tiny bit of a leap. Are you ready for more stats? Yes, I am. Bring all it right. On. I like stats. I, they, my, our team did a good job of, all right. So, um, you know, first off, this is, this is wild. Three quarters of all venture capital invested in America goes to California. 
Um, but we're, we're working in it now. This is, these are numbers that at least claim to be current. We pulled these from Crunchbase. Um, so, uh, oh, oh, excuse me, three quarters of all venture capital invested goes to California, New York, and Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. That's, okay. So that, that doesn't surprise me. So with that, you are going to cross off Francisco, New York, Boston. I'll tell you what, I'll give you the, I'll give you three guesses to get what the next three cities are. And they can be anywhere. And we'll see, we'll see what you come up with here. Okay. okay. So I'm ruling out Boston, New York, and San Francisco. Yep, okay. those are off the table. Oh, this is fun. Um three guesses. Okay, I'm gonna guess Chicago. Not on not even in the top ten. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Surprising, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um Atlanta. Atlanta is also not in the top 10. Austin. Austin is number six. So fourth is LA. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the biggest cities. Yeah. All right. Next is Nashville. What? Very surprising. Nashville. That shocks me. Followed by Austin. Then San Diego. Then your hometown of Denver. Oh, yeah. Washington, D.C., and then very surprisingly, Phoenix. Oh, you know what? They've got a little tech hub down there. This is my this is my point from the yeah. beginning is there's yeah. these outlying communities that like are, I mean, think about Nashville. Nashville is ahead of Austin. That doesn't make any sense to me. I wish I, I need to understand that. I mean, I I, I'm just looking at a chart here. I believe that, it. I believe it. I mean, I believe you. But I, I, I mean, well, I mean, I got to believe it. this is this is from Crunchbase as of April 4th, 2023. And it says Erston Young LLP underneath it. So I'm assuming some of this is certified. I mean, that's like a, one of the big however many accounting firms. But yeah, it's uh, uh, very surprising. Now you talk about the winds that that change the 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 trajectory of, of investment. Like right now, another thing, I don't have a chart for this, but like the AI stuff right now, anything AI related, that, that bucket is bigger than all the other buckets put together right now. In terms of what's being invested in? The total amount of cash. And that's, uh, that is, that is a chat GPT effect. Mm-hmm. Um, it was already trending in that direction, but that really popped a lot of it off. Uh, now that said, the reason I bring this up is if you failed, maybe you're in your, okay, you're, you've been around since 2013. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. I mean, how many different changes of the wind have you seen? Cause you know, you look at like the pandemic and I remember, I remember specifically talking to someone in the VC community a couple months before that, and them telling me how, how down they were on ed tech. I was like, what's, the, what are you not putting money in? They said ed tech. And then two months later, we love ed tech because all of a sudden that was relevant. Now, here's the thing. I'm just telling you, like what what was hot, you you know, some of this is timing related. And you mentioned this like this, uh, this collective mentality that trickles, you know, inward from the coasts and, and all of that. If you're an AI company right now, you should be out there raising. You have a better chance of getting money right now than you did five years ago. And it ebbs and it flows. So if it's your time, you need to, 
I think you need to try to take advantage of it. And if not, yeah, I don't know. I used to work for, I used to work for this old guy and I sold pianos. This is like 20 years ago. And he used to say to me, he'd say, Matt, as, as far as advertising went, when things were going well, he'd say, you put your sails up when the wind is blowing. And when it's not, you take them down and you patch them back up. And that's always stuck with me because the wind is, there is a brisk breeze and if not a gale force wind blowing the AI related stuff. So how can you take advantage of that? Well, yeah, I totally agree with you. And AI is like big, big. You cannot do anything in AI without raising a boatload of capital. So yeah, get out there, raise some capital. And there's no way that all those companies are going to be successful either. No, 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 no. And they're all just, you know, they're doing what they're doing. They're taking, taking a flyer, you know, trying to pick the big winner. Um, I remember when it was crypto and it was Bitcoin. I remember invest, I remember pitching to people and them asking me, you know, what are you doing on the crypto front? And I'm like, yo, I'm trying to get people to stop writing paper checks. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not there yet, but yeah, yeah, I've seen lots of, lots of ways. Convincing my wife to use crypto to pay for, (laughs) to pay for the pizza party, the $5 fraction of it. Yeah. Silly. I I would give her $5 (laughs) and a paper check to quit asking me how you started a digital wallet (laughs) and bought Dogecoin or something. Yeah. Like, let me just transfer it. Exactly. Just let me focus It's an anonymous on. digitized token that sits on the blockchain. They'll know you sent your money in. Now. Let me focus on the demographic I know. You do you. Maybe not <laughs> so much. Okay. So, you know, one of the things, and let's go back because we're here at the, we're, we're about out of time here on another episode start a puzzle brought to you by fullscale.io hiring software developers does not have to be difficult especially when you go to fullscale.io we've got the people the process and the platform to help you build the team you need and want so i'm going to pick on these stats a little bit on the way out because you know we're sitting there going okay west coast had 1525 seed stage deals the midwest had 281 what's the population disparity there like 281 might not be that bad. That's true. That's actually really Compared true. to the number of people that are there. Because, you know, you look at Denver's, what, Denver's, what, about 3 million people, Metro? Is it even that? Yeah, no, I think it's at least that. We're growing well, Kansas City's about 2 million and change. And then, like, okay, so we're between two of the bigger cities in the Midwest. We're now, what, up to 40% of LA? So, I don't know. I mean, you look at California, it's got, it's the biggest population state in the country, followed by New York and Boston, two of the, two of the larger cities. I'm a little surprised to see Chicago not on that list. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, and put your earmuffs on if you're from Chicago, I don't feel like I hear a whole lot of news about Chicago. I don't feel like I hear, and I feel like you should. It's such a mega city in the Midwest. And- it is kind of weird. I can I can only name a couple funds out of there too. It, it, it is kind of weird now that you mention it. Yeah. I'm not really sure what's up with that. So there is like a, and you know, some of that just might be my own. Please don't put me on blast, Chicago. But the, I mean, you know, I don't know. There's some some stats and numbers there. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised that the hotbed of startup and technology activity has the most deals, has the most money flowing in. 
I mean, that's, there's, you know, so when I look at that and I compare the Midwest to the, to the West numbers, 281 versus 1521. So that's about six times more, five times more, five and five and a decimal point, 5.2 or something like that. My question is, is are there five, 5.2 times more people there? Because I'm not sure that it's fair to compare Kansas City to L.A. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it is. It's not. It's clearly not. I mean, there may be some disparaging numbers there. Now, as far as the we go back and we look at like the 2021 seed stage, the valuation discounts. I'm not even sure how how this is figured on some levels. Like I said, picking on the stats a little bit on the way out, because I think that's fair. Discounted compared to what? Because I, I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and your ten million dollars startup for Cheddar Up or is not the same as te- as a different company. And like, how can we say it's discounted? Yeah, what's the benchmark? How many of these deals were over overpriced? Right. The answer is probably a lot of them if they're from twenty twenty one. I mean, twenty twenty one. There's a lot of stuff from twenty twenty one imploding in people's faces right now. Yeah, pretty frosty. How's the insurance tech stuff looking right now? Five cents on the dollar. It's about where that's at. Yeah. But hey, that's the way it goes. Now, as far as the overall dollars invested, um, you know, I think my challenge with that is I, I'm very surprised at the crunch base data, and that's for top 10 markets in Q1 of 2023. Um, does Crunchbase track all this stuff down? No, probably not, but they get enough of the sample space that we should probably look at it. Yeah, 25 billion in San Francisco. And then 3.8 in New York, 2.9 in Boston, and then LA is the only other one past a billion. I'm I'm surprised to see Nashville in there. I'm surprised to see, honestly, to see San Diego in there, and I'm surprised to see Phoenix. Yeah, I am too. Nashville, Phoenix. Plus, again, like your point, like how are they calculating this? It may say in there. But like a lot of these deals are just massive deals. The massive deals are happening on the coast. That's for sure. You know, just and that's going to skew the numbers because there's sure. some startup. That's the thing. It's, it's funny because what is a startup? They were calling Uber a startup after it was publicly traded. Yeah, I don't get that. That's, so that's, I'm not really sure what, what falls into this bucket, but you're right. I think that the mega deals, like that's one of the things you don't see in the Denver's and the Kansas cities is the $625 million round. Right, right. They're that's just not definitely happening. happening in San Francisco with a lot of these companies. And that's going to drive that number up for sure. There is definitely a deal somewhere in this bucket that outclasses entire city, like metropolitan areas, without a doubt. I think in Kansas City, it was like, you know, it's, it, uh, I don't really, you know, sit there and try to add this stuff up. But, you know, you're talking like two, 300, 400 million in a year is a pretty good year. But with that, when you get into that, there's usually one in there that's like 150 million bucks or 200 million. It's like half of the whole pool. We had that. We've had that recently over the last couple of years with former guests, uh, Sandy Kemper at C2FO. It's like a, you know, a several hundred million dollar round and then pay it. John Thompson um, also had a big chunk. And when you look at the entire metropolitan area, those those deals in their respective years represented about half of all incoming capital into a city. So 
yeah, don't get too, my point is don't get too hung up in the numbers just because you're, you know, and then honestly, I think if you're from a, a, a little market, let's just say you're from Omaha, mm-hmm. home of Berkshire Hathaway and Great one of the example. richest people in the world, like <laughs> yeah. Omaha, and it, like it's never going to rank up there with Boston, but there's money there. Like there's money in a lot of places. I think if you're, regardless of whether you're looking for coasts or Midwest or whatever, if your business, now here's another thing too, you know, a lot of people out there raising capital, I'm sorry, folks, you just don't have a business that's that intriguing for investors. That might be the problem, not where you live, that maybe your offering just isn't as great or competitive as you think it is. And or maybe you've sent 15 emails instead of 100. 100 or yeah. if you're just sending emails, you might want to send about 300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they're not all going to reply, and then you got to keep after it. And there's a whole lot to be, whole lot to be said about all of that. Well, once again, with me today, we had Nicole Montoya, co-founder and CEO at ChatterUp. Go to ChatterUp.com to learn more, and make sure you come back Monday as. My co-host, Matt Watson, kicks off our Power of Series Week. We're going to talk about the power of AI, the power of vulnerability, the power of the pivot, the power of choice, and the power of great leadership. Make sure you tune in. I think I did a couple of those episodes myself. So, Nicole, what would you like to say to everyone on the way out here? Oh, gosh. As it relates to funding, um, you know, start local and expand to the coast if that's what you want. And it takes it takes more work than you anticipate. And then, yeah, check out cheddarup.com if you're organizing a group, school, PTA, troop, HOA, um, you need to collect payments and information, go to cheddarup.com. I like that a lot. And if you're out there raising, just remember, um, no one loves fundraising. Even if they say they do, they're lying to you, like strict, call them a liar. If you meet someone that says they like raising capital and why don't people like raising capital? It's because it is just, a, it's another job. It's one other thing to do. And I think after you get past that initial excitement of, Ooh, look at all this capital that could come in, you realize that you got to do another full-time job to get it. Um, it's also, uh, um, it has a it has a way of exposing all of the things about you and your business that you might not like to openly wrap your arms around. Um, it's a very humbling process. So um, if that's going to get you down, you're probably not going to raise capital because you're going to have to go through all of that. You need to remember that people that are sitting on the other side of the table and talking about investing in your company, it's it's your job to get the best deal you can for your company. It's their job to get the best deal they can for their fund. These things are all negotiable. Um, You need to talk about making a win-win. I think any deal that you get into that is heavily skewed towards one side of the table and the other, it isn't really a great deal. And, um, you know, make amicable things. And remember, if uh, just because someone offers doesn't mean you need to take it. I mean, it's uh, just keep grinding. I know some of the most successful entrepreneurs that I know, whether it comes to borrowing money, raising capital, any of it, they they will tell me, I just didn't stop until I got what I need. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a buddy that's a, like an expert at borrowing and leveraging stuff and like that. And, and, you know, I'll say, well, how many, how many banks did you have to go to before you got it done? He goes, as many as it took. 
And that's the answer. So if you, uh, uh, some of this is Darwinistic by nature, it's kind of meant to piss you off and weed you out and break you down. And that sounds like a lot like entrepreneurship. So, you know, it all, it all, it all goes together. I mean, it does. So it's yeah. like, but that's the thing is if you can't make it through that part of it, then you're not going to make it through the rest of it. And that's where I get that Darwinistic kind of thing is it's going to push you out of the process. And, and, and by the way, um, if you keep hearing the same exact feedback from everybody you pitch to or reach out to, they may have something valid there. Listen for that echo and you can learn to address it. If they keep having the same objections and have the same problems, also just consider addressing that up front, like right at the beginning of the pitch, just, you know, just, just bear it all to, to assume that you're working with sophisticated people that are going to figure out all the shit that's wrong with your business anyway. So I like to just tell them. Yeah, that's smart. That's good advice. Well, Nicole, I'm going to catch up with you down the road. I'm going to go sign up for Cheddar Up and send four to six dollars your way. Yeah, that sounds great. I appreciate it. All right. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.